Welcome to the All Sports Best Podcast. Turn up the volume because it's time for your favorite sports show. Your one-stop shop for sports talk. Three, two, one. All right, guys, you're here with All Sports Best. I'm Trey, and I'm here with a very special guest, Nello Piri, um, <laughs> who teaches personal development through sports, which is really, really cool, especially considering the fact that we like to keep spotlight on athletes, student athletes, and people all around sports. And she does a really good job of actually touching people through mentorship, through sports, practicing, coaching, all the above. And uh, she does a lot for the for sports and the community. So, Nello, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Trey. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's, it's great to have you. And I think that we're going to dive into this and really have a lot of information we can take back. This is going to be cool. Yes, fine. Thank you. I'm not going to lie. I am a bit nervous, but I am excited to really have a good conversation and um, dive into into the subject. So thank you. Thank you so much again for having me. Yeah, of course. And we're going to make you as comfortable as possible. So just sit back and, and I feel like you're going to you're going to kill it. So let's do this. Yes. Yeah, let's go. OK, so the first thing that I wanted to know was what inspired you to first start off with sports in general and then to touch other people as you went along your journey of course former player now doing things to coach and help and teach throughout your community okay i mean for me it's pretty simple the reason why i do this i do this because i i recognize that this is something that can help a lot of youth players and people in general um and I know a lot of people go through similar situations when it comes to life. So for me, uh, the best way I teach is through a sport that I've played my entire life and um, the lessons that I've learned from it. Um, I don't know if you know a good background of tennis, but it does teach you a lot about life. I mean, simple skill sets and lessons from how playing alone or having to travel or play all around all year round is something that um that can really teach you about how you can handle yourself as a player and not being on a team so i do this because the sport that i play teaches you a lot a lot about life um i don't know if i answered your question but it's, it's a very simple reason um and i also dived into the sport because a family member of mine my uncle chose me from Africa to come to New York to to just get a better opportunity wow so that's where yeah that's where it all started <laughs> uh, just to go back to to when I was three years old I came to New York and I started my tennis career to just really get better and become a professional tennis player uh, so the vision for me started when I was three years old when my uncle really decided to dedicate his life and his time to getting me, uh, you know, to getting me to where I am today as far as a tennis player goes. Um, but, you know, many reasons why I play, but for the most part, it just brought me to a purpose that, um, that I'm currently working on in teaching people personal development. Yeah. Okay. So was there anybody that inspired that as well? I mean, like you said, you, you were picked 
and and brought to New York to play tennis and start at an early age. I mean, three years old is nuts. I mean, that's that's amazing. So to have that opportunity and to get started that early, was there somebody ahead of you that maybe your uncle saw and said, hey, we're going to do it just like that? So tennis, the seed, I call it the seed of tennis, all started with my grandfather. He was playing recreationally. I mean, this was his his thing when he was um, young, I guess, when we were in Zambia. He was just going to, to tennis clubs around um, our country and playing and uh, just casually with his friends and bringing my uncles and my mother to the tennis club just to have something to do. Um, eventually, my uncles picked it up and they were playing and they, they found it as a, a great outlet to to stay busy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so to stay busy. And uh, so as my my grandfather was playing and especially during a hard time of their life when my grandmother died and they were still young. My mother was about 13 years old and they were younger. And so tennis became their own outlet and they stayed on the court. I mean, this is their story, but long story short, they, um, they just did a really good job staying consistent with the sport and getting to a point where they're so focused they played Davis Cup for Zambia. And oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, they played for their country, and from there they, they were noticed to, to the point where they were able to come to America and play for college on a full scholarship. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this, it was just a great opportunity, not only them, but a couple of their other friends that they, they played on tour with. So... Tennis has just been, uh, you know, a blessing really in our family, especially through tough times because it became something that we held on to and and found great opportunity in and um, has taught us a lot with just about life in general. So, yeah, I mean, you could say my grandfather. <laughs> okay, yeah. Thank God for his, his casual uh, time with his friends at the tennis club. Yeah, that's crazy. That's cool. I mean, it's it's really crazy to me if you really think back to just the origins of a lot of different things and something that could just yeah. be fun turning into literally a life-changing moment and an inspiration for everything that you do. I mean, with that being said, I, I know that everybody plays a different way. We talk about like Serena. She plays with power. She's intimidating. She's She's got everything on her side and it's it's hard to beat somebody like that, right? Um, then you also, you also see other tennis players, um, that play with finesse. They play with, you know, they use their, um, their angles their spin their just their strategy against you. What kind of tennis style do you play with? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I wish you would have asked me this while I was playing competitively (laughs) because now that I'm playing with different, my different students, I'm forced to to really give them a different style depending on who they're playing. Oh. So, for example, right. So, for example, if I uh, play a student that has a tournament this weekend, she tells me that she's playing a player with a lot of top spin. Uh, you know, my thought process as a coach is, like, okay, how can I play like a player with a lot of top spin mm-hmm. so that she's preparing for her match? Um, so, for me, competitive play was about 
six years ago. And when I look back at, I guess, the last times I played competitively, I'm more of a, um, <laughs> I guess you could say I finesse. I, I'm not a flat hitter. I'm also not uh, a heavy spin like Nadal. I okay. like to, yeah, I mean, I like to, to slice a lot on my backhand and uh, stay in the point until I just get that opportunity to attack and go for the volleys. So uh, my uncle did a good job just putting me in a position where I'm an all-around player. But for the most part, I think I last few times I played, I, I grinded it out a little bit like Nadal, watch your top spin. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. And I yeah. think that's that's awesome how you are able to adapt for your players um, in, in preparing them for their next matches, which – which leads me to my next question. You said that there, sure. you know, a, a player will come up to you and say, "Hey, I'm playing a player with a lot of topspin, a lot of spin, or whatever it is that they might be playing against." Um, how do you find that out? Do you guys scout? Is there a way to, like, you know, contact coaches and say, "Hey, who am I playing this week?" Like, how do you find that out? Yeah, I mean, it's no different from any other sport, I don't think, um, but. For the most part, you rely on the player to to make sure they know the, the other players that they're watching from other tournaments or parents that might be going to a lot of tournaments um, with players chaperoning and from coaches too. I mean, coaches get to see different players when they come and, and practice at their clubs and when they, you know, they, they go to tournaments as well. But you don't see often coaches going to tournaments because, uh, in tennis, uh, it's an all-around sport, and it's not a team sport. So you have individual students, you know, going off to the, um, overseas or around the nation or locally. Um, yeah. So you really just do your research in between players, parents, and coaches. Uh, for the most part, I guess you could say um, players help me a lot. Uh, because they know I'm going to ask them that question of, okay, who are you playing? <laughs> you know, what type mm. of game style? So I really like to ask them questions. So when they go off to tournaments, they're also thinking of these things and, and say, oh, Coach Nell is going to ask me. So <laughs> let me let me oh, prepare man. my notes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's smart because, like you said, you like to prepare people for their lives with sports. If you're able to you know, pay attention to what the next person's doing, what your competition's doing. It's going to prepare you better in business. It's going to prepare you better at school, all that stuff. So you really make sure to find a way to plug real life to sports, to practice and all that stuff. And, um, and I feel like you do that on a day-to-day basis. Isn't that right? Yes, no, absolutely. Um, just letting, letting my players really take ownership of their own, "Quote unquote life, their own schedules." Yeah, that's so big time. So, tell me why fearless growth. I I was able to read into some of your Instagram posts, look at some of your videos, mm-hmm. and you're very uh, goal oriented, right? You make sure and you know that you want something and you're working towards it every single day. So, is that part of why fearless growth became the uh, a part of your company? Um, yes, and but not primarily. Uh, fearless growth became what it is today because of 
the fundamentals that we'd like to come across. And believe it or not, I mean, goal setting is very, very important in, in every area of our lives. But we really, I don't think we put enough emphasis on the self-awareness part and the personal development part. Um, and although goal setting is part of personal development, personal development is, is how you take care of your mind, body, and spirit. So on a daily basis. So for me, that's important because you can chase after a goal uh, when it comes to your career, when it comes to, to, you know, building your brand, you could chase after those goals. But if you're not, you know, if you're not connected, mind, body, spirit, if you're not harmonizing in that way, we just don't believe that those things can flourish. And we want to teach people really how to dive into that aspect a little more mm. um, just so that we can make sure that the foundation of whatever it is that you're trying to grow is there, the basics. Um, because a lot of times, even for me, when you go after a goal and you don't meet it and you fail, um, you know, you get emotional. There's a lot of emotions carry on, especially as an athlete being competitive, um, you know, I've dealt with different emotions, and I know a lot of people deal with different emotions and different fears, you know, fear of loss, fear of failure, um, fear of disappointing people. Yeah. So for us, all of those things are going to happen. So for us, we want to emphasize self-awareness. We want to emphasize personal development um, and just bringing up the basics of, okay, before we reach that goal, have you taken care, have you, uh, have you made sure you are doing the basic habits that are necessary to take care of your mind, body, spirit? Mm. And, um, I know I'm not a Bible expert, but, um, I know this is somewhere in the Bible to, to whom much is given, much is required. So the more you go after something, the more energy is required from you. Sure. So, yeah, so <laughs> being able to really uh, gain that energy and gain a little more knowledge of who you are and what you can handle and how you're going to manage different emotions that are going to come about is, is very, very important. And that doesn't happen until you, just like a sport, train yourself for a while. Train yourself yeah. and... and really understand how you want to wake up and manage your mind, body, spirit. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love the way that you put that too, because I mean, it's, it's easy to just kind of get caught up in the game and decide I'm upset because I lost and that's it. That, I don't see past, you know, a loss. And so if you're able to really sync everything together, you can find a way to actually use that in, I've heard a lot of people that say, you know, Hey, if I, if I lost, I didn't lose, I just am learning. And so I think that that's a really cool deal too. You know, you learn from your mistakes or your losses and things like that. Um, right. Nello, I wanted to ask you about something that I find very interesting in tennis and I really don't understand it. I've been to a couple of matches and I, I cheered some people on and I was looked at like I was a foreign object completely. You can't, cheer for people when the other when the other uh tennis player messes up or the other doubles team messes up it's it's like frowned upon right i mean what what are some of the weird i mean not weird but some of the tennis etiquette 
um, tools that I need going into watching a match? Okay. Let me, let me try to give you at least three things okay. because yes, we are, we are a strict sport, but we are also very friendly. It's just, I was watching tennis too. And, and, um, even especially when I'm watching, uh, kids, they're very sensitive in what's around and, mm. uh, and just the, being a coach, you can tell how much, how sensitive the sport is. And, um, you know, you kind of relate to golf too. When the, the, the golfer is about to hit the golf ball, everyone's silent because that's a critical moment. Right. And tennis, <laughs> in tennis, you, you can get five, 10, 20 critical moments because at each shot, you're, you're thinking of precision. You're thinking of your footwork. You're thinking of your focus of the ball to the target. You're thinking of how you're balanced. Maybe it's windy. You're fighting against the wind. Um, you know, there's a lot of, again, fears that are are at stake at this point because you're not sure where the person's going to hit the ball. So, um, yes, I, I'd like to say anyone that watches tennis in person, the U.S. Open, the U.S. Open is coming. Please, Watch and be in the moment, but don't clap or or yell something crazy or just <laughs> make make any weird movements because those are critical and major major um, uh, moments in, in tennis when the person is in between the points. Wow. However, yeah. So, however, I, I, I'm sorry. In between the points, you're you're allowed to go wild. I mean, I'm all for taking out the pom-poms and, you know, having that 16 to 20 seconds of of yelling and clapping and you know, doing what you do. I like to dance a little bit sometimes. Okay, but nice. Once the, <laughs> once the point gets started and once the, the person's ready to serve or and return, you know, you got to get back to you know, that silence and, and uh, basically holding your breath a little bit. Sure. <laughs> No, that's that's great advice because the next time I go, I will not make a fool out of myself. And I think anybody listening right now that isn't 100% well-versed with tennis can kind of gain something from that. It's just different, you know, because like for baseball, uh, which is one of my our primary sports to cover, you know, you can cheer the whole time. I mean, yes, people are trying to stay focused, you, but it's it's almost like a distraction game in some ways. Basketball, the same thing. I mean – you're as focused as can be at a free throw and there's people behind the glass that's waving. That's, you know, you know, lifting up their shirt just to try and get you to, you know, it's crazy. (laughs) And so tennis, it's, it's, I think tennis is more of a sophisticated game in the same manner as golf might be considered as well. It's just, you're going to see more. Um, if I, I don't know how to put this in any other way, but like a high class crowd when it comes to the highest level. Is that would you consider mm-hmm. that true? Is tennis being a high class, I think it's made up to be that way. Mm. I think um, you know the culture that they've they've put together, especially where it's come from, um, has has been made out to be that way. But you know, we I guess we can get wild too sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, just yeah, the culture says, all right, during a point, let's all you know settle down and you know be professional because this is this is something 
we've been working at for a while. It's hard work, so let's make sure the players get an opportunity to give their all in the point without any uh, random and annoying distractions. So, I mean, every sport has its thing, and I appreciate tennis is that way because even as a spectator, you you get to learn the art of, yeah, getting wild and clapping and jumping up and down, but also settling down and uh, really being in the moment and, and being peaceful. So whether you're a loud person or not. Right. So, okay. yeah, I mean, it's the culture that they've just set together uh, from, from the get-go. So I got to know this yeah. because I know a lot of people that, and I told you this off the air, I mean, we will see a lot of parks that have tennis courts in them and just empty tennis courts, at least where I'm from. That's just something that we see quite often. And I think that one of the things that points to that would be the fact that a lot of people just are not good at tennis or they don't know how to play the sport. They're not, you know, into the sport itself. So could you give me Mm -hmm. a couple of different ways to play the game that anybody that's not very good at tennis or doesn't know it very well could go out and have a good time and fill those tennis courts? Right, right, right. Um, no, that's very true. And it's it's actually a shame because I do see a lot of tennis courts that are empty, although that's, you know, that's something that that is getting better, um, that it could get better. I mean, for one, equipment for tennis is, is fairly expensive, and people think that they have to get this fancy racket but you can go to Walmart and find one for about, correct me if I'm wrong, but $15 or $20. Yeah. And you find tennis balls really anywhere that um, if you go close to a tennis court or something, they might be some floating around. So as far as equipment, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, it's expensive. But no, starting off especially, um, I mean, shoes, you could wear your, your regular running shoes and uh, preferably ones that aren't rubber and won't have you roll an ankle or, or anything. Right. Your racket, Walmart, Target, you know, um, Amazon that has a few and tennis balls are, I guess, just find me and I'll give you some tennis balls. Yeah. Um, and as far as what you can do on court, I mean, I always like to start with basics and fundamentals. And to me, this is fine. So, in tennis, you can't get any further if you don't know the art of consistency. So I would recommend people, you know, grab a partner and just, you know, have your equipment, go out there and say, hey, man, let's start with uh, trying to get five balls in a row mm-hmm. or let's start with trying to get 10 balls in a row, uh, you know, and really just understanding the basics of the sport, which is focus, balance, and footwork. Um, so you just go out there stay focused and really test yourself on how focused you can be on the tennis ball and your target, which is, you know, you know, a tennis court looks obviously sometimes it's a blue court in the, the green outside. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the image I'm yes, talking ma'am. about? Yes. So focus on hitting your target, you know, in the blue on the court and then your balance would be how you can really just, uh, shape up and balance yourself, balance your body, and your footwork is really just a lot of times. Even my students, even the pros, get stuck on the court 
as opposed to moving around, dancing around, and doing those baby steps before they hit the ball. Um, so a lot of footwork um, and just focusing on those basics and seeing how well you can do over time. Hey, let's try in a week. Let's try to get 20. Um, and then after that, if you feel like you've gotten a rhythm, now you can start playing some points. Hey, you hit cross court, I'll hit cross court, and let's play the point out. You know, tennis is a yeah. lot of fun because you get to test yourself and how well you could focus for a long period of time. So for me, that's just the, the fun I found in it. Um, I get to test my stamina. I get to test how well I can really stay in the point without thinking about, um, I don't know, some distraction like dinner tonight or something. Yeah, yeah. No, you know? absolutely. For sure. Okay. So, yeah. I wanted to get into some things that you might be interested in personally or some things that just, just to kind of take us um, in, into another kind of a mindset that you keep outside of tennis or outside of mentoring and things like that. And then we'll get back into it. Uh, the first thing that I ha had for you was what is it that you do in your free time? Like outside of tennis, you're, you're done with work. You're done with, you know, playing around um, in, in your sport. What you like to do, of course, that's probably one of your hobbies on the side as well. But outside of that, what else do you do? Mm, outside of tennis, I like to read. Um, I This is something new for me, actually. And I never thought I would just read a whole book in, in a week or a month sometimes. But I recently like to read a lot. I like to, to go to the gym. I like to stay consistent with that. Um, I like to spend time with family. Uh, I just came back from my my cousin's graduation, and then I spent a few extra days there just to get to know um, her mom's side of the family, and that was fun. Um, other than that, I mean, I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy company and speaking to people and... Um, and uh, spending time with family. That's something that I've never really done my entire life because I've been playing tennis since I was three. Yeah. And tennis is an older sport. So um, my entire life, I just traveled. Um, and this is not a complaint, but I, I traveled everywhere and by myself um, and sometimes with other, other, other people, other players traveling. And never really got a chance to stay in one place and get to, you know, know my mom a little more deeper than I do now. So little things like this. I'm, I'm excited to go see my cousin that lives 10 minutes from me um, because we, you know, we have a good time and um, we speak about, you know, the few times I missed out on. And it, it's just I keep it simple for now because I've never really been to New York as long as I have oh, okay. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. What do you like to do? <laughs> uh, well, outside of podcasting, uh, no. Um, I was also going to ask you something that, cause I like to, I like to watch Netflix. I'm a big Netflix person when I finally get to chill okay. out and relax and get away from sports. Um, cause sports are always on and always on social media, everything that's going on. Uh, so that was yeah. my other question for you. Uh, what TV shows 
do you like to watch when you actually get to sit back, relax, and maybe you know you just finished that book and you're and you're waiting for the next one to come in? TV shows. Um, I mean, the last TV show that I really watched religiously was like Blackish. Okay. Um, was it good? Yeah, um, <laughs> it was good. It was good. Um, but I mean, I can get into more movies. I think I I like a lot of uh, Denzel Washington movies. I mm. like different Will Smith movies. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, so, like, if I can sit down and watch a two-hour movie, I'll watch a movie with with uh, one of those characters in there. But lately, I mean, Trey, I don't know what to tell you. I've just been, I no more Netflix than chill for me currently. I can <laughs> go back to that but right now. <laughs> right now, I mean, I'm just spending a lot of time building uh, different business skills and trying to understand um, different things. And I'm having a great time doing that. So it's uh, it's just been a dedication to, to my craft and just staying on top of of what I love to do. Oh, I, I like to dance. Dance. Okay. <laughs> awesome. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. I mean, I like to listen to music. I dance a little bit. We'll have to see a video at some point. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So can you tell me um, one of the, the last questions I get into before I get some advice for you for, for young kids is, uh, well, first, actually, what is the best tennis surface to play on, in your opinion? Best tennis surface to play on, in my opinion, would be, um, I grew up on clay, so uh, clay is good. Clay is good. Um, wow. I, I, prefer, I prefer hard, but um, because, you know, you don't get your shoes dirty, but clay is good on the knees. Um, it's good on the knees. So when it comes to hard court, that wouldn't be something I would do long term for, for a long time as I get older mm. because it, it, it really gets tough on the knees. So it's better to, to play more on clay, something a little softer. Um, grass is a little annoying because the ball doesn't bounce as high. So you kind of have to um, be on, on point with that. But but yeah, clay to answer your question. Okay. Yeah, and see, I've always yeah. wondered that because it, the different surfaces have always intrigued me. The the grass, honestly, I'd watch tennis and I never knew grass was a surface and I'd see it. I just didn't know that was one and I was like, "Whoa, that's actually grass. That's pretty cool." Um yeah, so it's cool. It's interesting. Um all right, so the last thing that I wanted to ask you before we get into advice was how do you develop sure. confidence in all that you do? How do I develop confidence? Um, man, these are good questions, Trey. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I go back to remembering where I come from. Um, I mean, I, I this is what I teach. I teach people to try to look back at where they come from and how far they've come. So I just go back remembering where I come from, my culture, who I am, um, who, you know, I go back to remembering how far my parents have gone and the strengths that they've had to get to where we are today. 
um, the strength that my mother's had to get to where she is today, you know, with with my father's passing. So for me, it's like, how can I not be confident? Um, how can I not at least try to, to raise my confidence? Because I come from something so great that um, even through through their faults, they've always tried. So for me, it's the least I could do is just try. Um, so my confidence has come from remembering who I am and what I uh, I know I'm capable of of doing and being. And it's really as simple as I want to feel that way. I've felt uh, insecure before, and it doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. So I mean, I, I study emotions and. Um, it's just, it, it all starts with how you think. So I don't want to feel insecure. So I'll work on not feeling that way and, and remembering um, that I can be confident in the things that I, I genuinely want to do, even though they'll take time to get there, um, um, depending on how much I work on them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, two things. Remember where you come from and who you are and how far you've come and also just choose to feel that way. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a life choice. Feeling. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, good question. Nello, my last thing for you is a piece of advice. If you were to turn around and relay some information to maybe a young, a young relative or a young student or kid that's trying to be successful in tennis and, and also successful in life, what would you tell them um, to help them on their journey? What would I tell a kid that wants to be successful? Work on yourself first and you're going to, I mean, concerning tennis, you're going to lose a lot more than you win, especially in the beginning. Uh, so just to anticipate that, and the most important thing in the beginning is to work on yourself first. So that way you anticipate all the fears. Um, the, like I said in the beginning, the fear of failure. Anticipate, um, you know, things that you don't want to happen possibly happening. Anticipate all that, but also just work on things you can control, which is you know, how you wake up in the morning, how you um, take care of your mind, body, spirit, what you do for your mind, what you read, what you, the podcasts you listen to. Hopefully they're listening yeah. to all best. Absolutely. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, things you're reading, people you're you're hanging out with, the conversations that you're having, you know, focus on that, working on yourself. And when it comes to your body, how often you're working out or exercising. A lot of people assume you have to be, you know, this fitness guru or exercising two hours a day, but it doesn't have to be that overwhelming. So focus on yourself in that area, how you're taking care of your body and the energy that you're, you're giving yourself and what you're eating for the most part. I like to say for the most part, because I do like to indulge in ice cream sure. once in a while. So. You have to. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. And then when it comes to your spirit, 
you know, this is looked at as, uh, for me growing up, as a weird thing. But, you know, take the time to meditate. Take the time to uh, do yoga or, you know, take the time to really just sit in silence and think about, um, think about, you know, different affirmations you can give yourself or think about your vision or something that can really just put you in a, in a peaceful state of mind. So just taking care of your mind, body, spirit, um, is, is something I definitely tell everyone to do, but to answer your question, uh, a young player to do first and, and to anticipate, um, the, the bad things that might happen, but still think about the moment in the moment, what good can happen and what you can control. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you, Nello, so much for being on the show. I do appreciate you being here and, and all the advice that you give and, and good tips yeah. that you have throughout life. Of course, these students and these athletes are definitely going to benefit from the things that you do for them. Guys, give her a follow at Fearless Growth on Instagram or at Growth Tennis as well. Uh, Nello, thank you so much. Thank you, Trey. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the All Sports Best Podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast or Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and join the conversation. Till next time, this is the All Sports Best Podcast. Ah!